Have you ever wondered what inspired Love What Matters? Who's behind it or what their future holds? Today, we get to learn more about Colin, the founder of Love What Matters and what inspired him to create the deeply personal storytelling platform that has a reach of 40 million every month. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter. Because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. Give a little bit of a background about who Colin is. I am the youngest of three boys who I also work with, which is usually fun. I've been told some horror stories of people that work with family. Oh, I can never do that. But we have a good time and best idea wins usually. You know, grew up in a town called Cheshire. It's a great town, great place to grow up, kind of like a little bubble. And after college, moved out to Boston, was there for a couple of years, and then moved to New York City, where I've been for 14 years. What kind of person were you in high school? Or like, what was your favorite subject? Oh, geez. High school. It just feels like a different life. I, um, <laughs> I was someone like, I think all high school people, like kind of unsure of myself, right? Kind of trying to find my footing as to who I was in the world and as the world relates to me. And from a very young age, I've always been very into writing and reading and that whole world. There was a moment in high school where I think everybody has this moment that kind of like crystallizes things for them. And up until this moment, I didn't really feel like I excelled in any one thing in particular. There was nothing that was kind of like, oh, chemistry is my thing. Then I had a class that was an advertising class. And as the year went on, I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be really good at something. Because I didn't really have that moment up until then. And I had all of these ideas and people were excited for my ideas and fellow students were asking me for more ideas. And I had this kind of creativity to myself that I was discovering, that's when I was like, oh, okay, there is something that I excel at. So that was the first moment where I said, okay, this is interesting. Let's kind of delve into this a little bit more. But yeah, other things, high school, I played tennis. I wouldn't classify my high school years as exceptional. You said you've always been into writing and reading. So was that just an always thing that you were into from little, little? We can get to this later on, but me and my brothers are all mama's boys. We all loved our mom so much. She was a teacher. Think for 20 years and then she became a librarian. So my youth was forged in this kind of you go to the library after school, you play Oregon Trail on the computer and wait for your mom to get off work. We had pizza parties there and I met all of our colleagues and we made sandwiches for the poor. Like there are very kind of formative memories that I have of being at the library with her. And so I think probably if I'm psychoanalyzing it, I probably said, Oh, my mom really respects people who read. She was incredibly smart. She was like Mensa level smart. And she was always reading, always had her nose in a book. 
And so I think I probably saw that and said like, oh, how do I get mom's attention? Well, I'm going to become an avid reader. So what kind of stuff did you like to read? I was a really young kid. I was buying comic books. And so I would say that's how I started from a young age. And then it was, you know, you grow up a little bit, you start getting into the Harry Potter, and then you go into the Great Gatsby and Catcher in the Rye and the classics and stuff like that. It's just kind of been a progression all my life. Okay, see that I did not know. And the fact that all three of you guys are mama's boys, I love that because I only got one. I like so for a mother to have three. I do think having a son now and seeing the relationship between a mom and a son, there's just nothing like it. It's so magical. It's like, okay, well, I'm always going to be second place, but that's okay. This is incredible to get to be able to watch. So, and then just give us a little bit of history or what it's like working with your brothers. A lot of times that is really hard, but you guys work very closely. Yeah, I think it's a different type of thing than most families. My mom always, before she passed away, told us, like, I just want you guys to be in each other's lives. She loved that we lived close. She loved that we worked together. It was a whole thing. So I think, you know, having that is special. We've always supported each other. And I think, again, credit to her, like, if you could help to facilitate that relationship with siblings and have it be less competitive and more supportive, that's an incredible feat to achieve. So two things, how long have you guys been working together and what is it that's making it work? Like, what do you think y'all are doing right that is allowing y'all to be able to work together? Well, I think everyone knows what their strengths are, right? So I'm, I'm a creative and I need a business brain. So Chris, who is the middle child, brings certain things to the equation And Kevin, who is the oldest, brings certain things to the equation. When you have different kind of strengths where you excel, if you have the right people who understand things and you bring it all together, it can be a pretty great experience. Well, I would think that you'd have to have mutual respect too, right? To be able to work together. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, (laughs) don't get me wrong. There's still the brotherly, you're still going to make fun of each other constantly as brothers. Just walk by them and smack them on the back of their head. (laughs) (laughs) We've never really been that physically abusive, but I would say it's more fun than working with strangers. That's for sure. Yeah. So just more teasing then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So you are recently married, correct? Yeah. I mean, not like too recent and you are a new father. I want to know A lot has happened in the last couple of years. Yes. How you met your wife. Let's start there. Well, as most incredibly romantic relationships go, we saw each other from across a bar and then a year later (laughs) reconnected. No, just kidding. It was a a dating app. It was a dating app. So I think it's like 40% or 50% of relationships are now online, which is kind of crazy. So yeah, it was a dating app and it worked out and we've been together now for four years. Don't let her listen to this. I think four years. And what's her middle name? And when's her birthday? (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy and December 13th. I won't ask the year. (laughs) Yeah, I'm recently married and have a new baby boy who is three months old and is absolutely amazing. And what is that like being a father for the first time and then a newborn? Like, how's the sleep going? Oh, it's wild. Sleep. What's that? Yeah. No, it's great. It's so hard to explain to people that don't have kids what the feeling of holding your baby is like. 
it's so hard to explain to people who don't have kids why it's so incredible. I grew up my entire life hearing about, and it still didn't register until you see that baby born and you hold that baby for the first time and you develop that bond with it. There's just nothing like it in the world that's extraordinary. For me, it's like an instant love. Yeah, I guess for me being a woman when I'm pregnant, like there's this protection I feel and and all these things and I love it. But it's like until the baby's born and you see the baby, something just clicks in you. I think especially for mothers, that's that kind of maternal biological instinct. It's been unbelievable to watch my wife and what she's able to do and how she takes care of him. And it's just, I don't know what men would do without mothers. It's really hard. And people don't talk a lot about pregnancy and how difficult it is and recovering afterwards and how long that can take. And there's a lot involved. Yes, I would agree. We did touch a little bit on your mom. And I really want to dive into her some more because I know Love What Matters was inspired so much from her. So can you tell me a little bit more about your mother and the journey that she went on with her health battle and how it led up to Love What Matters? The type of mom who is just always there for her kids, the traditional mom who puts her kids above herself at all times. She was always selfless. She was always giving. And so she got sick with breast cancer and she battled that for a while and she actually beat that. And then shortly thereafter, she got ovarian cancer and ovarian cancer can be a little trickier. Sometimes what can happen is the chemotherapy will fight off the cancer for a little while. And then after a while, there's a resistance that builds up and then that's kind of game over. That's it. In some ways we were fortunate because a lot of people lose a parent or lose a loved one and they never have a chance to say goodbye. They never have a chance to tell them all the things that they wish they could. And so I'm sensitive to that because I have a good friend who is it's crazy because we met up shortly after both our parents died and said, your mom died, my mom died, like here we are. And her mom had an aneurysm and really that was it. And she never had a chance to say these things. So I was in New York. She was in Florida. And my parents lived in Sarasota, Florida. And she had about three months left to live. And so I was flying down and basically giving my goodbyes and telling her how much I loved her and having these really personal, sad, but also pretty amazing last goodbyes. And the first one I had with her, she was kind of getting to the end where she's like, okay, you've told me you love me a thousand times. Like, I get it. Stop. Stop telling me you love me. Like, okay. And she's like, listen, you know, you're my youngest and you're going to have a very hard time when I pass away. You're going to really have a hard time with grief. You're going to have a hard time with understanding what this means. You're just going to have a hard time. And I was like, okay, mom, like, don't worry about it. Let's worry about you right now. And kind of put it in the back of my mind. And then fast forward, I think she has maybe a couple of weeks or a month left. And it was really our last goodbye. And again, she brings it up and is like, listen, you need to take this seriously. And you need to think about what's going to happen when I'm not here and how devastated you're going to be and what you're going to do with all of that pain. What are you going to do with all that grief? I really want you to use it. And I really want you to let it fuel you to create, like you're a creative person, you're a sensitive guy, let it fuel you to create something beautiful. I don't think she knew what that was. I don't think I had any idea what that was. But of course, a month later, she passed away. You know, you lose a, 
parent, you lose a mom and you left with a kind of a hole in your world. And what I would consider my North Star is someone I would always call when something amazing happened, when something terrible happened. To this day, when things happen, I think, oh, I'd love to call my mom right now. So of course she was right. And I was a mess and didn't know what to do. And then I tried to reflect back on her advice. And I was like, okay, well, I still don't know what this means. But I kept saying to myself, there's got to be a deeper meaning in life than what I've always experienced. And it really made me pay attention to life more. It really made me super heightened and aware of everything that was happening. And so I started to pay attention more. I started to look around more. And I noticed that, okay, I was struggling with grief and I was battling that, but my mom had just struggled with a terminal illness. Someone else in my life had just had a child who had autism and they were trying to understand what that meant. And okay, there's a spectrum, but what does that mean? And here's the labyrinth of schools and choices and all of the things that go with that. And someone else I know was battling anxiety and someone else I know is going through IVF. And I kind of started to see life in terms of, okay, well, we're all experiencing these things. How do I build a community around these things that connects people in a way where it brings out empathy in storytelling? It lets people feel less alone. It's cathartic, not only for the writer, but for the reader. And it builds that connection. It's a connective tissue between people where they can say, oh, I thought I was the only one going through this. I'm not. In fact, there are thousands or millions more people that are going through this. And so I started to build. I started to build on social. I started to build with, with kind of those goals in mind. Like, how do I develop? How do I build a deeply personal storytelling platform? So I started to build, at the time, Facebook was the big thing. This is going back seven years now. So started to build on Facebook, started to build on Instagram. I built Facebook to about 8 million, built Instagram to about a half million and it really just kind of existed on social for a while. And we started having brands come to us. And then Simon and Schuster came to us for a book deal. Then we started doing podcasts. And so it really took on a life of its own. But the thing that has remained constant through it all is that kind of storytelling angle of people being able to share an experience that is universal, that is wholly understood by others. And that serves to kind of make people feel seen, make people feel less alone, and shine a light on things that sometimes people don't feel like they can talk about. Mm -hmm. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, when you said 
that you started to build, were these already fully written articles? Did you already have the name Love What Matters? Yes. So on social, I had named it Love What Matters, talked to my brothers and I had a brainstorm around it. And Love What Matters came from Love What Matters Most in Life. Love is the most important thing in life. Love What Matters. So that's where that came from. In, in its infancy, it was video and then first person storytelling. So we kept that first person storytelling trademark intact when we eventually launched the website two years after it was only social. Yeah. And then in the book, you mentioned the book, it says for Patricia, who proved that love is what really matters. Is this your mom? Yes. And is there something or a story or something that's just behind that as to why you wrote it that way? No, it's just kind of a connection where it comes full circle, where she inspired the entire platform. She inspired everything that I created. And so I wanted to make sure I recognized in a funny way. It's kind of like, okay, mom's giving me a little wink and is like, hey, I told you, you know, you did it. Yeah. And I love that you honor her like that. I think that is amazing. I know when I wrote my book, I dedicated it to my mom as well. Is Love What Matters really only seven years old? Yeah, really. We're getting close to a decade, but not quite there yet. So I have the book. Nice. How did you pick the stories for this book? It was so hard. It was so hard. There's so many beautiful stories to choose from. So I think it was kind of just saying to myself, like, what resonates with me? What really stirs up the emotion? What are people responding to the most? Those were some of the parameters we used. My thing is with this book, first of all, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. It's almost like a coffee table book, but don't just let it sit there either. You know, and I was thinking as I was going through this, and especially if you're not a reader, a book like this, it's not super thick, but it's not super thin, could be intimidating to a non-reader. And so I was thinking for all those non-readers, I think the best way to do this is buy the book and then just once a day, put it on your nightstand and just read one story because some of these stories are literally half a page, one page or two pages. And I think that is an easy way to really digest if you want to just feel inspired and uplifted and you're really not a reader. So I think it's definitely worth it, reader or not. So something in the very beginning of it is this is what it says. Love What Matters is a digital platform dedicated to finding and celebrating the daily moments of kindness, compassion, and love that so often go overlooked. And I want to ask you, why do you think that is? Why do you think those things are so often overlooked? I think it's easier to pay attention to the bad things in life. You were overwhelmed with them and hit over the head with them every day. And I think those things can kind of scream louder sometimes than the good thing. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. Those are the things that lead news coverage and have for decades. People have become accustomed to that world. And it's easy to say, oh, the world's falling apart, right? Well, okay. But you could also make the case that this is the greatest time to be alive in the history of the world in a lot of ways. So I think it comes down to how you want to perceive the world. I don't want to get too philosophical here, but go for it. I do think everyone has their own kind of world that they live in, the way they experience life, the way they view life, the lens in which they see people, the lens in which they understand people and what they let in, what they don't let in, the choices they make. Like we're all kind of living different lives, even though it's all in the same world. So I do think a lot of it is perspective. 
I would agree. As I read the beginning of the book, I just loved it because I think my beliefs and yours and Love What Matters, they really are in alignment. But there's just a few things that really stood out to me. So I'll read this first part. Self-help books are great reminders of the things we can do to improve ourselves over the long term. But nothing is quite as motivating as seeing others be the type of person you want to be. Reading, be kinder than expected, isn't nearly as powerful as witnessing a stranger buy lunch for a homeless man. Reading, show courage, falls flat compared to a photo of a 10-year-old boy with cancer bravely going through chemotherapy. And when I read that, I was like, it is so true. I mean, we all love the little quotes, I do because sometimes they're just good reminders, but to actually see it, it just hits different. And I love that Love What Matters, you guys show that and you allow stories that are hard. I've always thought you guys were so different. I think there's more people catching on and are creating things like you. And I could be wrong, but I kind of felt like from what I have seen that you guys were maybe one of the first in this space to kind of do it different. So you share the hard but it doesn't stop there. And that's usually where sometimes the news articles, I won't mention any, but it's just the hard. It's like, wait, you've left me low. <laughs> like, where's the good? So, but I love that you allow people to share the real, the hard, the ugly, but somehow these people have been able to take those stories or their story, their experiences and use it like you did to fuel you to do something with that pain. And that is inspiring. That is so inspiring. And like you said, it connects, but it also lets the person, the reader, if they're going through it, it gives them hope. Yeah. And it's like, if she could do it, I could do it. I know when I wrote my article, I gave tangible tips and tools that I use to help with myself with struggle. So you can walk away with hope and then tangible tips and tools on what that person did to help them overcome. Love What Matters is so different. From what I could see, you're like the founding of this concept of what you're putting out there. Sharing the hard. It's real, but it brings hope. Okay, so I'll go on and read the next one. These moments of ordinary people doing extraordinary things are the ones that truly change us. They are raw, emotional, authentic, and personal. But most of all, they are relatable. We see them and it dawns on us that these aren't superheroes. These are people just like us. So again, it's relatable. It's raw. It's emotional. You're not trying to filter it. You're not trying to butter it up. This is just what it is. But people are left feeling good. Love What Matters exists to spread these stories far and wide to celebrate the love and kindness and compassion they present while reminding us that these things do not happen by default. They're daily choice. That is what I kind of want to talk about too. Because I am with you. I totally agree. It is a choice to be kind, to show love, to be compassionate. I believe that those are skills that anybody could learn. And I think for me, it's like that gives hope because I know I get it. Some people, they're maybe more compassionate, more kind, all the things, but it wasn't by luck default, it takes effort and work. But I also think the big secret here is, guess what? It's good for you. 
I don't want to say it's a selfish act because it's not. It's still kindness and compassionate, but like it's good for you. It's good for your well-being. It's good for how you view the world. It feels good. It's so much easier to treat people that way than the alternative. Yeah, it does feel good. And I get there's self-kindness and then I think other kindness. When you do it for others, it does leave you feeling good. I think if it didn't, we wouldn't do it as much or talk about it. Okay, so the last paragraph, I'll read this, and then we'll dive into a few things that it says. The moments we amplify on our platforms are also meant to serve as a balance to the kinds of things we hear about in the news every day. We all hear stories of bullying incidents at school, but how often do we hear stories of children who put peer pressure aside and show true kindness to each other? And I totally agree with that because there is so much negativity being pushed on the news, even on social media. It really is everywhere that I think that we do need that balance. And that is what love, what matters brings is it brings the balance to all the negativity out there. And I believe that like what you focus on grows. And so it's not that you and I are naive and and we have our head in the clouds and, you know, we're not grounded. I think we're well aware, but When I focus on that stuff, the negativity, I just feel like crap and I don't feel good and I want to stay in bed. Why do that to ourselves? But when I focus on love and kindness and compassion and personal development and just all these other things, it makes me feel good. And I think as humans, it's a huge contrast, but it's like, okay, do I do the things that make me feel bad? Negative news, negative social media, going back and forth and debating on social media, leaving negative comments or... Do I do the opposite, which makes me feel good? So what are your thoughts on all that? Well, there was a podcast I listened to recently where they were talking about how Twitter is a great example of not to engage with people. Like the best way to engage with people is in person. The best way to get to know someone, to listen to someone, to understand someone is face to face. And so if that's the best way to get to know someone, then Twitter is the worst from the terms of people just leaving nasty comments and attacking each other. And you don't know each other, but you're saying horrible things to each other. Like think anytime you have a chance to engage with someone face-to-face in person and get to hear their point of view, I think you're going to end up a better person. Yeah. Cause definitely I think people are going to think twice and be slower to respond when we're face-to-face, even on a zoom, honestly, where can people find it? To get it. Amazon, I would say, is the easiest place, but it should be everywhere. Awesome. All right. So I want to talk about what is the most viral story that you guys have published? Is there one? Yeah, I could pull one up here for you. So there's a company called Chartbeat that tracks media stories. And so this story made the Chartbeat top 100 list of stories. Of all times. Like of, uh, all, of all time, yeah. Of wow. all time. This is one of the biggest stories ever on the web. And the headline was, I stood there holding my three-month-old boy as she sent me pictures of the baby growing in her stomach. I was speechless. But deep down, I knew. Mom's breathtaking journey adopting two newborn babies four months apart. When you take a step back and then try to understand why it's got millions of shares, yes, it's a beautiful adoption story, It's primarily an adoption story, but when you look closer, 
I think the layers are what make it resonate. It's really a love story between mom and dad. They're unable to have kids, but then they adopt these wonderful babies. So I think it's really kind of blending all of these beautiful layers together. When you read it, if you're unable to have kids or you've struggled in any way, I think that resonates. I think the support of your partner resonates. And I think being able to adopt beautiful babies is just such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And what year was that published that you guys? That was 2018. Wow. With all the stories and different topics that you guys put out there, what are some of the most popular that just seem to resonate and always do well? So some of the most popular are everyday hero stories, acts of kindness, again, adoption, I would say grief feels fitting that grief stories are popular since that's kind of how it was born. And then I would say really overcoming obstacles of all kinds. I think these all resonate because it's a universal struggle that we're all battling something. We're all going through things. And I think people can kind of resonate to that piece of it. But I also think hero stories or active kindness stories have an element of, okay, who's going to stand up here for what's right? Who's going to do the right thing to right a wrong, to stand up and not the face of evil, but in the face of hardship. We used to cover whenever there was a school shooting, every single media outlet and their mother would pick it up. And obviously we need those stories, but we tried to cover them from the angle of the hero. And there were always either courageous kids in school shootings or adults that were putting themselves on the front lines, acting as human shields, comforting children. There are always people in horrific tragedies that act as heroes, not save the day, but help to make things a little bit easier. We don't have to not acknowledge there was a school shooting. Who did it? Acknowledge it, but maybe yeah. just put the light on the everyday hero, the person who used their body. Give them the spotlight. Yes. And that's what you guys do. We'll give you the facts. We'll acknowledge it. But let's highlight this part of the story. Out of all the topics, what really resonates with you? I think adoptions going to always be my favorite. I think it's just so heartbreaking. It's a raw, authentic journey, not only for the birth mother, but then you have those who can't conceive, you have those who are trying to adopt. And I think it's just healing for everyone involved. When you think back, not being able to have any adult in your life, people in foster care, there are a million horrible stories about the foster care system, but there are also extraordinary people within that system who are trying to help kids. When people read these stories, it's like, I already have seven kids in my house and they called me and they told me they have three more. And I said, well, I guess we'll find the room. There's just people who are so willing to give and keep giving. It's pretty amazing. And that's no easy task. Three whole humans in your home. That is amazing. We've had a couple on this show. Jill, she stands out to me who adopted a teen from the foster care, which isn't everyone wants the babies kind of thing. And so I think those stand out when it's the teen. I've read some where they say, well, we have room for one. Okay, you take in one. Two days later, you get a call. Well, the one that you took in, there are actually two siblings that we have. Okay, well, we're not going to split them up, send them over. It's a level of selflessness that I think is rare in society and life. And I think when you come across it, it's a pretty special thing. Yeah, I would agree. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the Love What Matters community on Love What Matters or what they appreciate about it? The comments that I've gotten that mean the most are probably the ones where they describe how it helped them or a loved one get through a difficult time. They'll tell me about how they were in a really dark place and it lifted them out of it or it made them feel seen. There's a lot of things that we talk about and discuss that these are kind of communities of people that don't get to have their stories shared a lot of the time. So I think when they see it, it's like, oh, I'm not the only one experiencing this. And this is how they did it. This is how I can get through it. Okay. And it makes them feel like, okay, it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to talk about something that they don't usually get to bring up. They don't usually get to kind of dissect. They don't usually get to go through it. Some of my favorite responses are things like, this made me feel less alone, or I thought I was the only one who experienced this there's real power in sharing what you're experiencing. And through story, stories just connect. If someone was sitting here just throwing out facts, they'd be like, whoa, stop. But it's the story. Oh, I'm always looking at the stories. But there was one that I came across yesterday that you guys posted. I think it was a couple days ago. And I've actually seen her on TikTok. And I was like, she looked at me. I was like, wait a minute. They did her story too. I went and looked at it and read it. And it's heavy, Colin. Like it is heavy. It's about parenting. She lost a child, but it's the way she lost her child from, it was a biological parent shook the baby at three months, extremely hard. And it caused health problems. And at three, she died. And I felt it. And I was like, don't cry. Cause I'm sure, you know, I'm a crier. Don't cry. Oh my gosh, this is so heavy. And I want to have her on the show. It is so heavy and heartbreaking, but, and I love the, but she is now written a book. She talks about it to spread awareness so that other people know they're not alone. That's what I love about it. Yes. Like let's share your story, the hard, and it is so hard. And I know when I interview, I'm just going to be bawling because it just hit my heart. But I love what she's doing now. I love that she took that pain and she wants to help others. Well, take a second and try to put yourself in her shoes for a minute and say, okay, you just experienced this horrific tragedy but nobody talks about it. No. Nobody tells you how to get through it. Nobody tells you what it feels like. You're just making an impossible situation a thousand times harder because there's no one to talk to about it. I mean, you could talk to your family, but at a certain point, you need to be able to share those experiences with people who have gone through similar things and understand how to navigate it, understand how to get through it. That's what we're trying to do. And I think especially with that topic, I personally don't see that topic a lot, but I know there's a community because I, I do my research and I was looking at some of her videos, reading the comments, trying to get a vibe for what people were saying. And there were so many comments like, I dealt with that. I'm going through that. I lost my child yeah. too. And I'm like, wow, there really is a community going through have dealt with that. So I love what she's doing. And then just talking about it, like you said, it's healing. And it's almost like I'll talk about my story. And it almost in a way gives other people permission to talk about it and be like, well, if she could talk about it, why can't I? And then they start to do it. They realize, oh my gosh, that is so therapeutic. There's just so many good things 
I just need Love What Matters to be like a news station, okay? And y'all need to like push it. Right. It just needs to be everywhere. We just got to get this everywhere. What has Love What Matters done for you on a personal level? I think it's sharpened the way in which I view the world. When you listen closely enough to people, I think if you ask the right questions, if you really pay attention, I think people are amazed. I think you'll be amazed at what you learn. I think the way I view people... Everyone can share something that would intrigue you, engage you, teach you. There's always something to learn from someone else. And I'm doing a YouTube series right now for Love of Matters, where I'm just interviewing strangers and I'm getting them to open up with me and ask really personal questions. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's kind of a tapestry of all these, all different walks of life, all different people, all different experiences. And the more people I talk to, the more I learn. Okay. So talk to me about that. I don't think I was aware of that. Is it through Zoom? Are you? It's in person, just strangers on the street in New York going up to and having them share their most painful moment or their biggest struggle or things that have shaped them in life, trying to understand all these experiences that people are going through. We're really trying to spend a lot more time on the YouTube platform and trying to build that up, trying to have it feel like when people are watching, it's either there's empathy, there's joy, there's fun, there's compassion. There are all these things that they're getting out of it. So I'm really trying to be laser focused this year on YouTube and really building out that community. Now, when you ask these just random strangers, these questions, how do you end that? It's like, okay, tell me about the hardest thing you've gone through, but tell me there's a light at the end of the tunnel on the way we end these conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the struggle questions are always interesting because I think it's informative as to the type of person you are. I think when you experience struggle, it kind of forms you, it shapes you, and it shapes a lot of choices that you make and kind of leads to other things in your life. There's definitely still, I wouldn't say they're all feel-good moments, but they're things that I think people will find interesting, will find hope in still. Because, oh, she experienced that. There's this girl who I asked, what's your most painful moment? And she said, well, I was with my boyfriend. And he broke up with me because I wasn't pretty enough. (laughs) It's like, well, she's like 16, 17, and she's experiencing this stuff. And I think that one did really well because people are relating to this young woman that is just kind of like, why is this happening? There are moments like that that are every day in life that I think people are going to relate to. What are some lessons that you feel like you have learned through being the founder of Love What Matters and running this for seven years? I think the biggest lesson for me is that whatever it is you're tackling in life, whether it's starting a family or a business, it's never going to be a straight line. It's just not. When I started Love What Matters, I thought it was going to be this nonstop upward trajectory of growth and momentum. It was a startup. So it felt like that. And then it didn't. And then it felt like that again. And then it didn't. There's highs and lows. And I think that's life. Like for me, the roller coaster of life is part of the fun of it. The lows are there to help you appreciate the highs. And the lows can and should be informative, instructive, if you look at them in the right way. That's probably my biggest lesson. My theme for this year is no excuses in business. As a husband, now a father, if something is possible, make it happen. There's no excuses. Like show up for your friends, show up for your family and don't allow yourself any reason to not do something. Can I tell you like my little definition of excuses? Sure. Okay. So excuses are pretty little lies that we tell ourselves to make us feel better about the decisions that don't serve us. That's just- Wow. Yeah. 
I don't like excuses either. We're human. And as much as I am into personal development, at least I'm self-aware. I'll catch myself. I mean, no, I don't do excuses. So I love that that is your theme because I am right there with you. If you want it to happen, it can. And I'm also a big believer that if it's placed on your heart, that it was placed on your heart for a reason and that you can make it happen. And sometimes when it's placed on our heart, this has been my experience, when whatever it is, business or in life and family, when something is placed on our heart and we don't do it and we don't follow through, it almost creates like torture because it's like a constant nagging reminder, but you're fighting it. And so then it feels like torture. So I didn't know I was talking to the no excuses expert here. This is wow. (sighs) Telling you, I like to call people out on excuses, but I do it in a nice way. I do. I promise. (laughs) I do it in a nice way. Okay. So I love it. Love, love, love it. Maybe I'll check in for me to time to time. Be like, hey, we still following those and no excuses theme. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I love it. Has love what matters exceeded your expectations? Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started and I was really going through that grieving process and losing my mom, the platform was really about how do I make others feel connected to a community? So it started with grief, but I think to now see it impact all of these other communities that... I don't really have a personal connection to in a lot of way, but they're having this massive impact and getting people to feel that connection. I think that has definitely exceeded any expectation. I had these goals starting out and you never know, no excuses. You never know if you're going to actually reach them. So yeah, to see millions of people connect around these stories that I somehow hoped would reach people has been incredibly fulfilling. We connect people across the globe dealing with rare diseases sometimes and chronic illnesses and allow them to build each other up with support. And I think that's not just happening with those things, but we provide support for people dealing with grief and help with their loved ones and understand how best to support them since it's just hard for people. We raise awareness about a lot of experiences or topics and perspectives that just deserve that attention. And I think one of the things that I love the most is that we normalize issues. We normalize issues like postpartum depression, OCD, trauma healing. So all of that has exceeded my expectations for sure. Yeah, I love it. I just have a few more questions. What does the future hold for Love What Matters? What are you working towards? It's still kind of developing Love What Matters into a 360 media destination, media platform, I think. You know, I have some really large goals with YouTube. I have some really large goals with getting us on a streaming network, developing some original content that stands the test of time and that is evergreen. Something like a a serious XM radio show is something. Continuing to build out a slate of podcasts is definitely a massive goal for the future. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot more building to do. But I think at the heart of all of this are the people and these stories and that sense of connection. Yeah. Is there anything that you can share with us that you're working on right now to expand the brand? Well, the Stranger series is continuing. So I'm going to keep working on that. And then I'm also going to be doing some interviews with kids pretty soon. So talking to kids between the ages of five and nine. As a dad now, it's fun to see him grow up and trying to talk to kids about what their favorite foods are and kind of like silly things, what they think about their parents and what they think about school. That's something for YouTube that's going to be coming down the pipeline in the next couple of months. Oh, that's exciting. It kind of reminds me of the show, Kids Say the Darnest Things. Yeah, exactly. And that did well. I loved it. The kids are so cute and so innocent, but they don't say it like in a mean way. They don't know how to filter. 
I guess. Okay, I want to know what kindness means to you, because I do think everyone has their own definition. But what does it mean to you? I think it's just understanding someone. One time I was at a bank and I was in line and there was a customer behind me. I can feel him kind of getting unruly. We had been in line for a while. He's waiting a long time. And now he's kind of ramping up and he's starting to yell and he's talking about how he's been waiting forever and everything else. And now he's very agitated. He's almost like screaming. This is like 20 years ago. I don't know why I remember this so well, but the bank manager comes out and doesn't even respond. You know, when someone's coming at you, right? It's so easy to come at them with that same energy. And she handled the situation in, I think, the best way I've ever seen, where she was just kind of like, how are you, sir? Let all of the insults and however he was behaving kind of roll off her back and was just genuine and kind and and nice. That changed his entire demeanor. That may not always work, but I think when you try to understand someone in a way where, well, maybe he's having a really bad day, maybe something bad really happened. But I think that was interesting to see, like, I'm going to ignore this horrible behavior and still treat him kindness. And then, wow, what happened? He became kind. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the thermostat versus the thermometer. So a thermometer takes the temperature you could say in the room, let's say that, but the thermostat sets the temperature and she was the thermostat. That was her space. She was going to set the tone and he adjusted. Yeah. The show is called Rock Your Kindness. And I believe that we all show up in this world in our own way and spread kindness that is just unique to who we are. How do you do that? I just try to talk to people in a way that reaches them on their level. I think my perspective is so different now from being a father. Everything I try to do is so that he has what he needs and he has a good life and trying to work as hard as I can to make sure I'm supporting him. He's my priority right now. Seeing him and being able to be there for him is kindness. It's just a different form of it. And I think being able to relate to other parents now in a way that I never imagined I could before is something that's pretty, pretty great. And they always say kindness starts in the home. There is that. There is that. And then also, I think just in your own bubble, like what people see is I'm certain you're a good father. And so being that example as well to others in your life. So I think there's lots of things, but of course, love what matters and the ripple effect. That's something we talk about a lot too, is the ripple effect in Mother Teresa's favorite quote, you threw your rock into the pond of social media with love what matters and those ripples is probably had such a massive impact on the world. I don't know that our brain could comprehend it. You didn't gain 8 million followers for nothing. Something about this resonated so deeply with people and the ripple effect. You will never see how far those ripples spread out from this. I hope so. I hope that's right. You try to put something into the world that's going to have an impact and you never quite know where it goes. Yeah, I guess you could say you threw your boulder, probably more like a boulder than a pebble or a rock. It's been great getting to know you, hearing a little bit more since now we work so closely and it's like, who's Colin as a person? Struggles are meant to change you, but how will always be up to you. Like Colin, we too can take our greatest pain and turn it into good. And in order to do that, we must be intentional with our struggles. We must look for the deeper meaning because struggles are simply growth opportunities in disguise.
If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness.